want to entitle this series this morning is called How to Fight the Good Fight of Faith. How to Fight the Good Fight of Faith. How many of you know that we're in a spiritual war? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out, right? We're in a spiritual war more than ever before. But the thing is, when I say that, I want to qualify that it is a winnable war. Amen? You have to understand there's nothing that takes God by surprise. Somebody said it like this. You know, God has never said, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. I like that. God is not baffled. He doesn't say, you know, we didn't think of that. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we never thought of that problem before. He's already had it figured out from the before creation, before we were ever a dot on the map. Amen? And God has things already figured out. Before you ever had a problem, He already had the answer in advance for us. Amen? So I want to make that clear. We're in a war, but it is a winnable war. Now, when I say that, I want to qualify. That doesn't mean that when you get to heaven, okay, that's a given. The Bible says that he prepares in Psalm 23 that God prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Now in heaven there are no enemies. So the 23rd Psalm is not talking about when we get to heaven. It's talking about now on the earth. Are you with me now? So we're in a war, no doubt, but it's a winnable war. Now Luke chapter 18 verse 8 In the parable about the unjust judge, I want to read just one verse of scripture here. In verse 8, it says, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. This is talking about our heavenly father. Nevertheless, when the son of man cometh. Now notice this. Shall he find faith in the earth? Say, shall he find faith? faith in the earth. You know, that's what God is looking for. His eyes, we'll look at this scripture again in Chronicles, Second Chronicles 16, 9, I'll just quote it, says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Now notice that God has eyes. We're created in his likeness and in his image. God has eyes And it says his eyes are running throughout the whole earth, searching to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect. Amen? Now that doesn't mean there's, you know, there's no perfect people, but you can have a perfect heart. Amen? And so we see that God's eyes are looking throughout the whole earth. And I submit this to you today in connection with this scripture right here. That when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? So what's God looking for today? He's looking for faith. Amen? It's like you're looking through something like, I'm looking for it. Well, there it is right there. There's faith right there. And I believe that's that's what God is looking for in the earth today. We're talking about how to fight the good fight of faith. Now there's a scripture that I want to read to you here in, in Proverbs 24 verse 10. And it says that if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you faint in the day, in other words, when you go through tests and trials and you cave in and you quit, it shows that your strength is small. Now that's not to condemn us, that's just to show us where we're at. 
Amen? We've probably all been there. All right? But it says if you faint in the day of adversity means that your strength is small. And you take the, the reciprocal of that. If you're, if you're strong in your spirit, and I'll qualify this here in a second. If you're strong in your spirit, you can withstand any battle that comes against you. Are you with me? If you're strong in spirit, you can withstand any single battle that comes against you. Now go to Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 14. I want to read this out of the Amplified Translation because it, uh, it's just more clear. So good to see everybody this morning. Amen. You got the victory today? Hallelujah. In Proverbs 18, 14, it says, uh, in the Amplified, it says, The strong spirit of a man... A woman too. It's just mankind. Okay, the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily weakness, uh, or sustain him in bodily pain and trouble. But a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? Now, notice it says the strong spirit of a man will sustain you in times of trouble. Amen. Now, see, that's what walking with Christ and coming to church, all those things coupled together. They're so vitally important because, you know, every time you get in the Word, every time you pray, every time you come to church, your spirit, man, is getting stronger. You're actually working out this morning. I see some sweatpants here, you know. Okay? You're actually having a spiritual workout today. Now, when I grew up and I went to my dead Methodist church from when I was a young kid, it was everything but spiritual growth. Because the pastor at that time read more out of the Reader's Digest. He would read entire stories in the Reader's Digest. And I remember story. I still remember to this day certain stories that he read. You know? But there was no faith. There was no encouragement. There was no faith that was coming across. But if we have a strong spirit, if we have a strong spirit, I'm going to say it again. If we have a strong spirit, whatever comes against us, will not overcome us because it's our spirit inside of us. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, You are of God, little children, and you have overcome those devils and demons. Why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Oh, who's the greater one? Jesus. Spirit of God. Amen. And if you read that chapter there in 1 John 4, he's talking about demons and devils and so forth. He says, greater is he. You're of God, little children. That's you and I. And you've overcome those demons and devils because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Say, the greater one, the greater one dwells, in me. dwells in me. And he puts me over. Now, we have to say that sometimes in the face of adversity, in the face of uh, sickness, disease, pain, any type of opposition that's not God's will, we can stand up and say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. And I'll tell you what, it does something to your spirit when you do that. Okay? Now, if we, we keep our mouths closed and we don't, we don't say anything, then we lose by default. But if we open our mouths and say, nope, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, when you're facing adversity. See, it's easy to say that when everything is going well. Right? Everything is smooth sailing. Everything's just good. Right? Anybody can say that, but when you're under attack and things are happening in your life, it takes more faith to rise up and say, No, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. The greater one. I love that scripture. Amen. 
So the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily pain and trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can bear and raise up. The good thing is, is that we don't have to be weak spiritually. Just like, you know, physical strength is a choice. Okay? Now, here's, here's just something to think about. A gym never made you healthy or strong. You could have the best membership of any gym around here. I've used this illustration before, but it, it, I can't improve on it. It's the best one that I know of. You can have the best membership where the best clothing, I mean, really looks slick. And you go into that gym, but if you don't do anything, it doesn't benefit you. I'll go a step further to say this, that it's not weight that makes you stronger. It's when you resist the weight. That's what weight, what weight lifting is. Amen. Just in that particular area. When you push weight away, what happens? It builds up your muscles. That's what Popeye used to say. You call them muscles. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> I, yeah, that's right. I talk about the spinach. I remember when I was a when I was I have a picture of it actually. I was about five or six years old. And I used to you know, back in those days there was only a few cartoons. There was the three stooges, Popeye, Bugs Bunny, and that was about it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and uh and I, I used to love Popeye and I begged my mother, I begged her, I said, Mom. Please get some of that spinach because, I mean, I, had to, I was watching. I thought, he ate that spinach. I said, boom, the muscles started popping out. I thought, surely that will happen to me. Yeah. Okay. So she, I talked to her in it, and she got canned spinach, just like Papa had. I didn't know it would taste that horrible. I just about, I almost, I almost couldn't eat it, to be honest with you. It was terrible, terrible, you know. And so I ate some of the spinach, but I noticed nothing happened, <laughs> you know. So what I did is I had a long sleeve shirt. I have a picture of it, actually. I went and I put some, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a baggy sleeve, so I put some, like, material up in the sleeve so it looked like muscles. I actually have a picture of it. I'll show it to you sometime, okay. I'm, hey, I'm five years old, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, and, uh, but. We well, did it last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a picture's worth a thousand words. So, you know, <laughs> weights don't make you stronger. It's when you resist them. Now, temptations, tests, and trials do not make you stronger. They're meant to crush you. But when you resist them in faith and you resist the devil and you resist it with the Word of God, you're actually pushing back and so you become stronger. Amen. There are things I remember when I was a younger Christian years ago that used to just, just wipe me out almost. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was just a test would come, a trial would come. I'd be like, knock your head where your feet are. You know what I'm saying, spiritually speaking? And, uh, but, you know, as you grow in the Lord and you develop the things of God, that same thing that might come against you now, you're like, we ain't going there. Amen? Because why? Because your spirit, man, has become stronger. You're able to resist those things. There are some people that are just, they're Christians, they're saved, but they have no, there's nothing in them that wants to resist when darkness comes against them. Amen? But I'll tell you what, we need to resist what's bad and submit to what, that which is good. Amen? Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we draw near to God, he draws, draws, near, he draws near to us, we resist the devil. And he will flee from us. Amen. Let's go over to 1 Timothy. 
This is our main text here this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you would go over there with me. Praise the Lord. Every time I go to church, every time I go to a seminar or a meeting, I'm going to get stronger. Glory to God. Amen. And, uh, and I, know which, I know what ministries feed me as a pastor. I know which ones that feed me, and I submit myself to them because I get fed by them. Amen. Now, you know, praise God that we live in a day and an age where we have modern technology with ways, means and ways that we can listen. You know, we got CDs and all the different means and videos that we can listen or watch or both ministries that will feed our spirit. There's no excuse for being weak. Amen. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, now Timothy, Paul wrote to, to Timothy, who being a pastor, a young pastor at this time. I want to pick it up in verse uh, 11. And uh, Paul told Timothy, he says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Amen. We're to follow after these things. Now here's the verse that I want to home in on here. Verse 12 says, Fight the good fight of faith, and lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art called. And has professed a good profession before many witnesses. And I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things. And before Jesus Christ and before Pontius Pilate witness a good confession. Okay. Now I want to focus on the name, what, the name of our series here starting today is how to fight the good fight of faith. How to fight. We're in a fight. But it says how to fight the good fight of faith. Now I ask this question Many, many years ago when I was reading this, I'd say, okay, so we're to fight the good fight of faith. I asked myself this question, why is it a good fight? Why is it a good fight of faith? Not a bad fight, it's a good fight. Number one is because it's winnable. I kind of covered that at the beginning. It's winnable. Every single battle that you face. Now, that's one of the most, that's one, one of the important things about testimonies, when people testify what Jesus, what God had done for a person regardless of the situation because it gives you a supernatural hope that God is alive, that God is real, you know, and what He did for somebody else, He will do for you. No matter how bad the test or the trial is that you're going through, somebody had what you had, maybe even worse, and overcame it because they trusted the Lord. You know what I'm saying? So if there's a person on the earth that overcame what you overcame, that gives you supernatural hope. Now, if people don't know that, then they, they don't know. Okay? That's one of, the, one of the great things about testimony. How many of you have ever been inspired by somebody's testimony? It's like, you know, and it could be a physical thing. It could be a relational thing. It could be any type of test or trial. But the thing is, how do we win? How do we fight the good fight of faith? The good fight of faith Number one is a good fight because it's winnable. Okay? So no matter what you're facing right now, no matter what you're going through right now, you can overcome, you can win in situations. I know in my own life there have been things that try to, you know, overcome me through the years. 
that I'm a testimony standing here today of the overcoming power of Jesus Christ. Not because of me being great. I'm not great. But I know who is. I know one who is. Jesus is great. He's the greater one. And he helps us to overcome in adversity and so forth. Now I want you to notice that, that in these verses of scripture here in Timothy, the word fight is used two times. But the word confession or profession is used three times. So we're talking about fighting the good fight of faith. I'll say this again, the word fight. Fight the good fight of faith. All right? But the word confession or profession, same Greek word, is used three times in these verses of Scripture. Now, what does it mean to fight the good fight of faith? You know, even, it's funny, even some talk show, radio, talk show, television, you know, conservative voices have picked up on this phrase, fight the good fight. Have you ever heard people say that? And they picked it up. They're actually quoting what the verse of Scripture says. It doesn't even, it doesn't say, it's doing an injustice to say, fight the good fight. That's part of the verse. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold. Amen. Lay hold of eternal life. Now, how do we fight the good fight of faith? We fight the good fight of faith by staying in faith with a good confession. Amen. Praise the Lord. How can you tell if you're in unbelief or in faith by what's coming out of your mouth? <laughs> Amen? And how many of you know when the pressure's on a lot of times that, that will indicate what's on the inside of us. You know, it's, it's kind of like a sponge. You know, if you take a sponge and, it, and it's dry, when you press on that sponge, nothing comes out. But if you soak that same sponge in a, a tub of water or anything liquid-wise, it's going to absorb what's in there. And when you press that sponge, guess what? Even a little bit of pressure, whatever's inside that sponge, whatever it has absorbed is going to come out. Okay? Now, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks in Matthew chapter 12. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So whatever is in our hearts in abundance is going to come out of our mouth when the pressure is applied. And we want the right stuff to come out because if we're going to fight the good fight of faith, we have to learn to stay in faith. Amen? Oh, I can't wait to get into some of this here today. But you know, it's, just, it's, it's vitally important that in order to fight the good fight of faith, we have to be speaking right things, saying the right things. And like I said, if we close our mouth, we lose by default because, you know, the Bible says, we sang that song this morning, let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. Say what? That the Lord hath redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. He's redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. Poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. That's the curse in Deuteronomy chapter 28. All those things. If you read Deuteronomy 28, it lists the blessings and the cursings, you know. But if you, if you break it down, it's a threefold curse. The curse of the law is poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. And there's a host of other things in there you can see. But it falls into 
everything falls under one of those three categories. Okay? So if we're going to fight the good fight of faith, we have to lay hold of a good confession. Then it went on to talk about Jesus, how he kept a good confession before Pontius the Pilate. Amen? That was a joke. Okay. Pontius Pilate. <laughs> it's kind of like a Sunday school story. You know, the kids were heard years ago. A Sunday school asked the, the, the students in her class, young kids, to draw their favorite Bible, their Bible characters and stories in the Bible, you know. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, the teacher came over and found the one kid, uh, you know, drew this big airplane and there was two people in the cockpit. You know, you know how kids draw, you know, real sloppy looking, but it was an airplane. And she goes, honey, what, you know, I asked you to draw a Bible story. He said, it is, that's Pontius the pilot. <laughs> you know, taking a little out of context there, you know. <laughs> now you got to laugh a little bit here, Amen. How do we stay in faith? We stay in faith by having a good confession. What's a good confession? A word of God confession. A word of God confession. Now let's look at the book of Hebrews here in the time left that we have here. Go to Hebrews chapter 10 if you would. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 21. We'll start there. And the Bible has a lot to say about confession. Now we know the Bible says... That, you know, in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, uh, you know, we would say maybe that's the negative side of confession. Actually, it's positive because if you're confessing it to the Lord, He'll forgive you from all unrighteousness. Amen. But so many times when you hear, especially in this area, depending on the, you know, if you grew up Roman Catholic or especially that, you know, confession was a matter of speaking I did this wrong, I did that wrong, I, made, I sinned here, I sinned this. You become sin conscious, okay? But actually the Bible has more to say about the positive side of confession than it does the negative side. And we'll, we'll see a couple of verses here that are just vitally important here. But in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 21, it says, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Now notice verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For He is faithful that promised. Now notice that phrase, profession of our faith without wavering. The word profession is the same Greek word as confession. So you could read it like that. Let us, look at that verse right there in verse 23. Let us hold fast. In other words, hang on, hang on to a good confession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Amen. Now he says in verse 24, Let us consider one another and provoke unto love and of good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day of Christ approaching. Now he's talking about the public gathering together, church service, you know. But when we come together, we can encourage and provoke one another unto good works and love. And that's what church is all about, amen. And it'll, it'll help you to keep your head on straight, amen. How many of you know when you come to church, you get strength? You're getting strength from the Lord, from one another, from the body, 
Hallelujah. From the messages. And it keeps you strong. But he says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. In other words, wavering means go back and forth. Change. You're saying one thing one minute and saying another thing another minute. But he says, let us hold fast. Hold fast. Amen. Doesn't it say that? Hold fast what? The profession or confession of our faith. Do you ever notice when you face temptation, test, or trial, that the first thing you want to do is speak something ugly? You know? Amen? And whatever you're praying about, if it doesn't appear like it's happening, and if it doesn't look like God's answered your prayers, that doesn't mean God's not doing something right now. Because I'll tell you, when you go to prayer and you go to pray, I'm telling you, he immediately starts to work on your behalf. He uses his angels to bring those things to come to pass. But, you know, your physical eyes may not see that right away. So you'll be tempted to say what you see instead of saying what the Word says. Amen? When you say what the Word of God says only, speak the Word of God only, that's exactly what's going to happen on the inside of your life. Why is it sometimes that seemingly that prayers are delayed or even seemingly unanswered? Why is it? Did you ever ask that question? Why is it that sometimes our prayers seem delayed, the answer seems hindered somehow? Could it be, just throwing this out there, could it be that we've not held on to a good confession? Amen? Now listen to me. Anybody, when you're healthy and you're strong, anybody can say, by his stripes I am healed. By his stripes I am healed. And we should say that, amen? But when you have a pain or a sickness that's trying to attack your physical body, it's more difficult to hang on to a good confession because your mouth wants to speak what the problem is over and over again. Okay? You don't want to rehearse the problem over and over again. You want to rehearse the answer. By his stripes, ye were healed. Amen? Well, I'll tell you, there's been times when when things were coming against my body, I had to just stand there. I'm telling you what, everything in the natural was looking the opposite. But I had to stand there and say, by his stripes, I was healed. Since 2,000 years ago, himself, Jesus, took my infirmities, bore my sicknesses in Matthew 8, 17. By his stripes, 1 Peter 2, 24, I am healed. For, you know, 3 John 2, beloved, I pray above all things you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. See, that's how we fight the good fight of faith is you have the scripture. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when you speak what the word of God says, that's the shield of faith that's going right into the face of the devil. Isn't that what Jesus said in the wilderness? It is written. And what do you do? Quote a scripture. I mean, he showed us how to fight the good fight of faith. He, what did he do? Opened his mouth and said, it is written. It is written. Amen? See, the weapons of, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not natural or carnal. Carnal means natural. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. And so you might have a fearful thought, a doubtful thought that comes against you. That doesn't mean it's your thought. But when you open your mouth and you say, Satan, it is written. By his stripes, 
I was healed since 2,000 years ago. You are fighting the good fight of faith, and God will work with that material. Amen? Now, in Hebrews chapter 3, go back to Hebrews, you're already in Hebrews chapter 10, but go back to Hebrews chapter 3. So how do we, the main way that we fight the good fight of faith is we speak what God's word says and that keeps us in faith. You see, our fight is really this. Do you know the Bible, this is kind of an interesting thought. The Bible never says to fight the devil. Do you know that? It does say fight the good fight of faith. The only fight Listen, if we're in any other fight, we're in the wrong fight. The only fight that we are in is to stay in faith. Because if we stay in faith, we win. Amen? And that would have to do with you personally. That would have to do with other areas. And I'll I'll, I'll talk about that here in a minute. But in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling... Consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Amen. Notice it says we are to consider who? Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our what? Confession, profession, same thing. So we're to consider him. Now, you know, it's interesting about this. I thought about the word consider, and I thought about Hebrews chapter 4. It says, Abraham considered not his own body being dead, being, being about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. But he was strong in faith and giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God had promised him is able also to perform. How many of you know when you're 100 years old, you have to consider something other than your physical body or your wife's body? It said, Abraham considered not his own body now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. But he was strong in faith. Notice, giving glory to God. See, he had a word from God. He hung on to that word. He didn't consider his body. He didn't consider Sarah's body. But what did he consider? The word of God. And right here it says, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession or confession, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Think about Jesus. He's not just your Savior, but he's he's the apostle and high priest of your confession. Now, what does that mean? That means that if you give him something to work with, he's the apostle and high priest of what? Your words, confession. So if we're not giving him words to work with, then that limits him in what he can do. Do you know you can limit God from doing things on your behalf? The Bible even says in the, in the Old Testament, the Israelites limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited, they put breaks, they limited God. And we don't want to do that, do we? So we want to give God something to work with, and that is the Word of God. We speak what God's Word has to say. Amen? Consider the Apostle and High Priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Oh, praise the Lord. Jump over to one chapter, chapter 4, real quick here. That's Hebrews chapter 4. You mean to tell me, Pastor Keith, that Jesus Christ is watching over my words? You better believe it. Amen? Remember that scripture we read in Luke chapter 18, I think it was? When the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith in the earth? 
Well, one of the ways you know this, if a person has faith in the earth is what's coming out of their mouth. Is it faith coming out or is it fear coming out? Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen. Now in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our what? Confession. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Wow. He says, Jesus, the Son of God, has passed into the heavens. Let us hold fast. You'll see this phrase over and over again. Hold fast to our what? Confession or profession. For we, and he went on to say, For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but when all, was in all points tempted like we were, yet without sin. In other words, Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted, tested, or tried. He went through every test you could ever imagine. He went through it first. He knows, he's sympathetic, and he understands what it's like to be under pressure. Does he not? Yes. Okay. So you can't, people can't say, You know, God, I, you don't really understand what I'm going through. Oh, yes, he does. He's been tempted in every point, like as we, yet he didn't sin. The Bible says he even resisted sin to the point where he shed blood instead of sweat. So, of course, he knows what it's like to be tempted. But this verse right here says that we have this high priest, glory to God, that has passed into the heavens. Jesus, <clears throat> the Son of God, let us hold fast. Or we would say it like this, hang on. Say, hang on, baby. <laughs> you all know what it's like to hang on to something, right? Like a tug-of-war type thing. Hang on to what? A good confession. Now, why would he say that? He knew that we would be tempted to say something other than what the Word of God says. Now, listen, if we miss it, we all have missed it. I've missed it, too. There's times I've yielded to the wrong thing and, you know, said the wrong thing, yielded to fear. Every, all of us have. Okay? But the key is, is to catch yourself. Say, oh, no, 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 no. And let me ask you this question. Do you ever, have you ever done this before? You're, about, you're in a conversation with somebody. This has happened to me countless times. I can't even count. But you're in a conversation. It could be anybody. And you're about to say something, but something inside of you says, don't say that. Now raise your hand if you've ever had that happen to you. <laughs> what is that? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Say, don't say that, but say this. Okay? Now the Holy Spirit's not condemning you. He's just instructing you to say, don't say that. And sometimes it may not even be a bad thing that you're going to say. But, you know, God knows, listen, God knows what a person may need at that moment. The Bible says a word spoken in due season, it's like apples of gold and pictures of silver. How good it is. And, and so sometimes, and even when it comes to testimonies, sometimes there's a right time to say a testimony. There's a wrong time to say a testimony because it may end up condemning somebody. You see? It's, it all comes down to being led by the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you what, the Holy Ghost wants to lead you um, 24-7. Right. 
every waking moment of your life during the course of your week, the Spirit of God is there to lead you, guide you, and direct you. Isn't that wonderful to know that you have a built-in tutor on the inside of you called the Holy Spirit? And He knows what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say. <sighs> what a great deal we got, huh? Man, I'm telling you, the Spirit of God on the inside of us that wants to guide us and direct us in all the affairs of our life. And He will do that very thing. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. I have one more scripture here, and we're out of time here this morning. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Now, how do we fight the good fight of faith? By maintaining a good confession of what the Word of God says. You might say that we're in a war of words. It all started back in Genesis. When God told Adam and Eve, you know, you can partake of every tree of the garden, but this, this one tree, that belongs to me. You can partake of all those trees, hundreds probably of trees in the garden, but this one tree, that belongs to me. And the Lord told them, He said, the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. Remember that? Okay. But Satan barred the serpent's body, so it must not have been a big deal back then. And I believe that, you know, from what I understand, that animals will talk in heaven. Okay? Because prior to the fall, animals spoke. Because Eve would have went like, did you see that snake spoke? Okay? Now, Sister Kat Kerr, if you know, follow her ministry, you know, she's been to heaven quite a few times. And she says, let me tell you something. Your pets are in heaven. They're waiting for you. Amen? I don't care if it's a goldfish. Amen? Are you with me now? She said, the only difference is in heaven, they actually talk to you. Now, that might, some of you look like, I don't know if I believe that or not. Wait till you get there, you'll find out. Amen? Yeah, that's right. That's right. The donkey spoke to Balaam. Amen? Why beatest thou me? That's what he said. <laughs> so be careful with your pets. When you get to heaven, say, why did you beat me? <laughs> I'm just teasing. Hallelujah. I don't know how I got off on that, but I did got the meddling there for a little bit here. But anyway, what was I talking about? How did I get off on that? Yeah. Yeah, there was something else that triggered that. Amen. The, the, uh, uh, the confession of our faith is so important because it gives, like I used this illustration before, you know, electricians have tools. Plumbers have tools, right? Carpenters have tools. Now, if you take their tools away from them, they're very limited on what they can do. They might have the knowledge, they might have the ability, but they're very limited on what they can do, all right? Well, if you give them the tools and they're gifted to do that work, then they can do it. Now, the tools that we are to give to our Father are the words of our mouth. We give Him our words so that He's the high priest of our confession. That means He carries out what we have just said. Okay? And that's how you fight the good fight of faith. Amen? Now, there's a reason why He says, you know, lay hold. You know, confess a good confession. I mean... Hang on. 
Amen? You have to hang on because sometimes you won't want to hang on. That means you'll be tempted to give up. You'll be tempted to quit sometimes. Now, that would even have to do with our country sometimes. People are just giving up right and left. I'm not giving up. Oh, no. It's not over. It ain't over yet. That's bad English, but you know what I'm talking about. I don't care. So what if January 20th came? Do you think God's looking at our calendar? That means nothing. Okay? Just saying. All right? It's easy to go in the doubt realm and go down the path of least resistance and just do what everybody else is doing. But I'm telling you what, I'm going to be one. I'm going to stand out. I'm going to hang on to what God said. Okay? You know what? Hold your place. Hold your place there. Let's go to this other scripture right here. 1 Timothy. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 1 for a minute here. As we get into this in the weeks to come, we'll get into more of the practical area of this about how to, how to do this, amen, where it's actually working for you. The greatest tool that you and I have is the Word of God in our mouth, speaking what God's Word says out of our mouth. It will cause the supernatural to take place in our behalf. And I believe that God's eyes are running throughout the whole earth, and He's looking for men and women, boys and girls, hallelujah, that will put the word in their mouths and say what God's word says so that he can begin to continue doing the work that he wants to do on our behalf. You see, with everything, there's a God side and there's a man side. How many of his salvations that way? God paid the price. He shed his son. He gave his son for us, but we have to receive it, don't we? So you got the manward side, you got the Godward side, and God will never do our side. We can't do God's side, and he can never do our side. Now, we know that God always does his part, but we have to do our part to qualify. Amen. Amen. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You got God's part and then our part. Confess him as Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Now, I heard, I heard in my spirit many years ago, Matter of fact, if I think back now, this is probably over 30 years ago. Over 30 years ago. <laughs> Time just flies. And I heard, now I didn't hear with my, these ears right here, but I heard it with my spiritual ears inside my spirit, and I wrote it down. I'll, I'll never forget it. And I was thinking about Romans 10, about confession to salvation, you know. And the Spirit of God said this to me. He said, if the confession of your mouth changed your eternal destiny, how much, more, how much more will the words of your mouth affect the everyday affairs of your life? Hmm. I'll say that again. The, the, Lord, the Spirit of God said to me, He said, if the words of your mouth change your eternal destiny, which it did, how much more will the words of your mouth change the everyday affairs of your life? So in other words, the confession of Jesus as Lord, that you spoke, Jesus, come into my heart. You got the greatest miracle the biggest miracle that exists on the planet, salvation. Boom. <laughs> you confessed it, you got it. Amen. And if, if the words of your mouth change the biggest thing of your life, don't you know that anything on a smaller scale, that your words are going to affect it? It'll affect your health. The Bible says the tongue of the wise is what? Health. Let the weak say, I am what? Strong. 
The tongue, Proverbs says, let the tongue, the tongue of the wise is health and healing. In other words, what you say. What if you said every day, I'm getting healthier and stronger by the day? What if you said that? Now, sometimes people make fun of that kind of stuff because they don't understand it. They don't have a revelation of it. So all those people that confess it and blab it and grab it and all this. Listen, you, you got salvation. You blabbed it. You got it. You confessed it. You got it. Right? Jesus is Lord. He came into your life. So the Holy Spirit was saying to me, if the words of your mouth change the biggest area of your life, your eternal destiny, don't you know how much more will the, every, the words of your mouth affect the everyday affairs of your life? In other words, your health, your finances, your family, when you begin to speak what God's word has to say. The tongue of the wise is health and healing. Say, I'm getting stronger every day. I'm getting healthier every day. I'm getting wiser every day. Now, when you first start saying that, your mind's like, uh, get over that. Get over that. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of Christians that make fun of that kind of stuff. Dear God, making fun of a good confession. Are you kidding me? That's how you get victory. Amen. I am not sick. I am not broke. I am rich. That's what I say what the word says. I'm saying I am rich. I am successful. I am healthy. I am prosperous. I am wise. Why? That's what God says about you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, Jesus Christ has been made unto you wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He's been made those things for you. So why, why would you not say what Jesus already says about you? I mean, how would you act if Jesus walked up to you and he looked you in the eye face to face and you saw him and said, you know, you're healthy. You know, you're successful. Are you going to argue with him? Are you going to say, who, me? Are you talking about me, Lord? He's talking directly to you. And so... We have to not argue with what God says about us, what he says about us. We do not want to argue with him. We want to say and come in line and come in agreement. Here's what God says. That's what I'm going to say. Amen. Amen. Well, we'll close right here because we're almost out of time. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, 17 it says this. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. Be honor and glory forever. Amen. There's a lot of songs that have to take those words right there. Isn't that powerful? The king, this is Jesus. He's eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. You know, he's smart. He's wise. But Christ has been made unto you wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. 1 Corinthians 1.30. He's been made those things just for you. Hallelujah. All right, and so... Verse 18, this is really interesting right here. This charge, Paul says, I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some have put away concerning the faith have made shipwreck, of whom uh, is Hymenaeus and Alexander, of whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they learn not to blaspheme. 
You say, well, what does that mean? We'll, we won't talk about that right now. <laughs> Just be glad you're not falling under their names. Amen. Any Alexanders in here? Any Hymenaeuses in here? No. Okay. Now, Paul said, this is really interesting here. We'll close here today in verse 18. He says, this charge, Paul says here, I commit unto thee, son Timothy. He was his son in the faith. According to the prophecies, notice that went before thee, that you by them mightest war a good warfare. Now, that's really interesting. I'll say more about that next week, but I'll leave you with this here today. When, when a divine utterance is given by the Spirit of God, we call that prophecy. Prophecy means to, you're speaking by inspiration of God. Okay? Now, Paul was a prophet. He was a teacher and he was a prophet. He said he was. And God called him an apostle as well. Okay? And a lot of times an apostle will stand really in all realms of ministry. Sometimes they're an evangelist. Sometimes they're a teacher. Sometimes they're a pastor for a season, you know, an apostle. But Paul said to Timothy, he said, there were some words that were spoken over you, Timothy. And it may seem like a fairy tale, but words were spoken over you. And, and, and when, when a prophecy is spoken over you, it's usually a good thing. But there's going to be a warfare involved with that. Just because somebody speaks something doesn't mean it's an automatic, that it automatically comes to pass. Sometimes you have to fight the good fight of faith. He says that you, uh, he says, consider the prophecies that went before you that you might war a good warfare. Notice this, holding faith and a good conscience. In other words, you hang on. And sometimes, now I remember back in the day, years and years ago, there were some things that were, somebody, uh, this didn't happen a lot. But I remember, this is back in the early 80s, we had, Lynn and I had some ministers, uh, really well-known ministers, um, that were, that prophesied over us, said certain things to us. And some of those things didn't come to pass right away. It took years, years, for some of those things to come to pass. But they came to pass. Amen? And yet... There are some things that were spoken back then that have yet to come to pass. This is enlightening to me. It really is. And Paul said, you need to remember those words that, were, that have gone before you. And there, Listen, there have been words, prophetic words, that have been spoken about our country. That's the country we're living in right now. There have been some prophetic words about our country. Listen to me about what God wants to do. And it appears like it hasn't happened. It appears like it got worse. January 20th came, boom. And people gave up. And people, used to, people would start, even Christians would start you know, calling, false prophet, false prophet, false prophet. No. No. Just because it didn't happen in a, someone's time frame or America's time frame doesn't mean that it's not going to come to pass. You look at some of the prophecies in the Bible, it looked impossible when God said some things. I don't have time to get into that, but when God told Noah it was going to rain, there was no rain. It took over a hundred years for that prophecy to be fulfilled. But he hung on, and his family didn't reject him. Think about that. Eight of them. 
they didn't jump ship. <laughs> okay? They said, okay, God spoke to you. I believe that. Okay? And they had to, th- think about it, they had the patience to wait a hundred years, and then all see it, it never rained up to this point. But when the rain came, they were thankful that he heard that Noah heard from the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And just because some words that have been spoken doesn't mean, just because it didn't come to pass in our time frame doesn't mean that it's not going to come to pass. Are you with me? And I think God wants us to have faith. This country is not going to the devil. It may appear like it right now, but God's setting some things up. Don't get quiet on me now. God is setting some things up. And you will see not too far from now, <laughs> what I'm talking about. You remember the tares and the wheats, they have to grow together. But at the time of harvest, God separates them. Amen. And let me tell you something. He told Paul, told Timothy, he says, you know, that you, uh, you know, consider these prophecies that went before you, that you might buy them, might war a good warfare. What does that mean? That might have messed, meant that it looked like it wasn't going to come to pass. It may have seemed like a fairy tale. Did that God just say that out of, you know, that when he prophesied over me, was he making that up? Right. No, we know what it's like. I know what it's like personally to speak under inspiration of God. Where it's, the thoughts are coming so quick to you and you speak out what God says, you know. Something you didn't premeditate, something you didn't prethink, But God at the spur of the moment brings it to pass. That's divine utterance. And when that happens, you know it will come to pass. But our job is to hang on. I believe what God said. I believe what he said through the prophetic anointings. I believe it. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just hang on to a good confession of the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's just lift our hands and thank Him right now. We praise you right now, Lord. We worship you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you right now. We thank you right now. Glory be to God. Father, we thank you for helping us in this particular area, that you're going to help us. You're going to help us to maintain a good confession. Maintain what the word of the Lord has to say. For you see, know this, saith the Lord, there will be times in your life, and there have been times in your life where you felt like quitting as far as your words were concerned. But know this, when you spoke what I said, and you released words from my word, there was no wasted time. And there were no wasted words. For you see, when you say what I say in my precious word, and you put those words inside your mouth, all the forces of hell that may be arrayed against you will have to fall at your feet. For you see, the devils and the demons know that they cannot, be, they cannot overcome my word. For my word has defeated them. And so be bold to put my word in your mouth and say what I've said. And the devils and the demons, they'll have to front, they'll have to run, they'll have to flee. They'll not be able to stand in your presence. For they are terribly afraid of my presence and of my word. And so be bold to say what I've said. Be happy when you speak my word, for I'll do what you've said. And I'll bring it to pass. Hallelujah. 
And there you'll see it. Hallelujah. And there, yes, you will enjoy it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Maskaderi andalogarambligeta siataya. Stop and think about it for a minute here. You can look up here. Then we'll receive our offering. Um, when you got filled with the Holy Spirit, what's the first, what part of your body did God touch? When you got filled with the Holy Spirit. You got a what? A new what? New t- language, right? A new tongue. Are you with me? Now when you got filled with the Holy Spirit, you didn't get a new elbow, a new shoulder. You got a new tongue. That means, now the James says the tongue can no man tame. That's true. But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can now tame your tongue so that you can say the right things. You know, it does say the tongue can no man can tame. People throw their hands up and say, see there it says that you, know, you can't control your tongue. No, you can, but the Holy Spirit can help you control your tongue. By saying what the Word of God says. Did you learn something this morning?